0: Yes, this is Ponder, casting a new eye over culture. And in this edition, we're paying tribute to the much loved actor Earl Cameron, who recently passed away at the remarkable age of 102. In a career that spanned more than seven decades, ranging from gritty British film and TV dramas to a final cameo in Christopher Nolan's Inception when he was 92. Earl Cameron will be remembered as the actor who broke down the colour bar in British film and television.
1: When you're at the wheel of a ship at night, far at sea and nothing else to do, you think about a lot of things you don't understand. You wonder why one man's born white and another isn't. And how about God himself?
2: What colour is he? And the stars seem so close and the world so small in comparison with all the other worlds above you. It doesn't seem to matter so much how we were born.
0: It doesn't matter.
1: It does, you know.
2: That was Earl Cameron playing Johnny Lambert in the 1951 Ealing Studios thriller Pool of London, his first film role and one that, to the end of his long life, Earl considered his favourite part. Over his career, Earl moved from supporting roles in West End plays to British film dramas of the 50s and 60s, as well as some of television's best-loved shows, including The Prisoner and Doctor Who, in which he became the first black astronaut in the world. Even in old age, Earl returned to the big screen in such films as The Interpreter with Nicole Kidman and Sean Penn and The Queen with Helen Mirren.
0: But let's rewind for a moment to Earl's first film, Pool of London, now, while it was a modest film, it was nevertheless an important milestone in British cinema because it was the first time a relationship between a black man and a white woman had been depicted on screen.
1: It's the first time I've been
2: a shoe in London that I haven't been glad to get back to see. It always seemed before to be such a big, lonesome sort of place.
1: Not when you get to know it and make a few friends. It's the same as
0: anywhere, then. And despite the film breaking new ground... Earl was unfazed by the significance of what was being depicted.
1: To me, it was just a natural thing. I mean, she was a girl, not with a man, and so on. But, I mean, I did understand, naturally, I'm not stupid. I understood that I'm living in a part of the world where that type of thing, to some degree, is taboo.
0: Earl Cameron was born in 1917 in Bermuda and joined the Merchant Navy, arriving in Britain to stay in 1939. Nothing, though, from his home experience had prepared him for the racism that he encountered in London. When I
1: first came to London, fresh from Bermuda, 1939, I was completely unprepared for the subtle racial prejudice I met with. When I first arrived, I had money in my pocket. But when I got broke and I looked for a job, impossible.
0: And work in London for a black person was hard to come by. After months of menial tasks in the hotel, There was a friend of Earl's who was appearing in a popular West End musical called Chu Chin Chow, and he told him that one of the players had fallen sick and could Earl step in. Earl jumped at the opportunity.
1: My legs are trembling, I can see faces out front, and I thought to myself, God, this is terrible, but it's better than washing dishes.
2: Jobs in repertory theatre followed for Earl before he landed the role of the young merchant seaman in Pool of London.
1: I phoned up Ealing Studios to inquire about another film called Where No Vultures Fly. And Margaret Hopper Nelson, the casting director, said, well, we're not doing that until November. I said, now, wait a minute, what did you say your name is again? Is it Earl Cameron? She said, oh, yes, have you seen your picture in spotlight? By the way, we are casting for a film. Could you see Bessel Jinn this afternoon, she said. I said. Of course. Now, right now, if you like. (laughs) And we met, and he talked with me and said, Well, Earl, uh, I don't know anything about you, but I brought some clippings with me. He looked at them read them. They look pretty good. It's from a play called Deep Are the Roots that I was in. And he said, By the way, how old are you? I said, 26. I was 32 at the time. (laughs) (laughs) He had told me a little about the story at the time, so naturally I knew it was a much younger person than me. So he said, you look older. I said, yeah, maybe it's my moustache. I yeah, it could be. So he said,
0: would you like to
1: shave it off? I said, right now, if you like.
0: His next major film was Simba in 1955, which concerned the Mau Mau uprising in Kenya. But roles were initially few and far between. Earl later remembered Always, I had to wait months before I got another part. Now, it has changed to some degree, and there are many brilliant black actors. In Sapphire, a film made in 1959, Earl played a doctor whose sister, who'd been passing as a white person and was engaged to a white man, is murdered on Hampstead Heath.
1: Are you going back to Birmingham tonight? Yes. Can I give you a lift to the station? Thank you, I'd like to walk. Well. We haven't given you very much to take back, have we, Doctor? No. But then I see all kinds of sickness in my practice, Superintendent. I've never yet seen the kind you can cure in a day.
2: Earl's characters were often the moral heart of the films he was in. He was always dignified, self-effacing. Only very occasionally would he turn down a role if he felt the black character was not depicted with sufficient dignity. In a statement announcing his passing, Earl's children said, As an artist and as an actor, he refused to take roles that demeaned or stereotyped the character of people of colour. He was truly a man who stood by his moral principles and was inspirational. When I interviewed Earl on his 100th birthday, he told me that there was a period when black actors tended to get the villain parts. But I often got sympathetic character roles, he said. Perhaps I have a sympathetic look about me. Certainly, often playing the sensitive outsider, Earl had a warm and attractive presence, with pellucid eyes, a hearty laugh, and a rich, velvety voice that endeared him to audiences, both on screen and through fan conventions and other public appearances.
0: Another
2: chair. Yeah, let me give you a hand there.
0: Thanks, Mr. Gomez.
2: Okay, fella. Sure,
1: gonna be some bonfire, huh?
0: The biggest there is.
1: What you doing around here? Ain't rent there yet. Someone went and made a complaint to the sanitary people. I've just been checking. But Tom, you did something about that lavatory. Fellas come in to fix it in the morning. Gee, the money I'd point to these places. Sure. See, so you got yourself a new car. Well, the territory I cover, man, I need a new car. To me, a car is a necessity. Yeah.
0: A moment from Flame in the Streets in 1961, in which Earl played a shop steward victimised at work and defended by a union leader played by John Mills, who turns out to be not so liberal when his daughter wants to marry a Jamaican teacher. In the 1960s, there were seminal BBC television dramas exploring racism, including The Dark Man in 1960, in which Earl played a taxi driver facing prejudice in his workplace. Then, in 1964, Earl made Guns at Battersea, set in a newly independent African state where an insurrection is handled poorly by resident British forces. Earl was particularly impressive as Captain Abraham, who takes charge of the situation.
1: I just want to remind you of one thing. It is your duty to carry out the orders of the elected government. It is not for us to concern ourselves with politics.
0: Then came Earl Cameron's highest profile film, playing opposite Sean Connery in the 1965 James Bond outing Thunderball.
1: Felix Leiter, this is Pinder, our man here. How do you do? That's right, gentlemen. We had seven weeks in Nassau, staying at the Nassau Beach Hotel. (laughs) That was the most glamorous production I'd ever been on.
0: But parts for Earl in big-budget productions were rare, and the possibility of a move to Hollywood was considered, but it never appealed to him.
1: At the time when I would have liked to have gone to Hollywood, I had four, five children as they came along, and I realized that I couldn't have fitted into Hollywood. Sidney Poitier had said to me very good friends, even now. We knew each each other, right from the beginning of my career, we, we met and knew each other well. And he said that when he first went to Hollywood, the only black person he saw in the studio beside himself was a shoeshine boy. So I realized that I wouldn't go to America, Hollywood, or any other part of the world without my family. And uh, California, Hollywood, was a very, very prejudiced place at that time. My uh, wife was white, and my children, well, okay. They're part of me, and they were not white, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So to have gone to Hollywood, and be exposed to this kind of evil that American prejudice stands for. I wouldn't stoop to that sort of thing, I have to be very
2: honest. One role of which Earl was particularly proud was playing the King of Abyssinia, who offered safe haven to early Muslims in The Message, the 1976 film biopic of the Prophet Muhammad. The British Film Institute has described his performance as a scene-stealing cameo. Earl had never considered himself spiritually searching, But in the early 1960s, his concern for the state of the world meant that when he came across the Baha'i faith, things fell into place. Its message of the unity of religion and the oneness of humanity had an immediate appeal for him. In a dramatic move of another kind, he uprooted his family to the Solomon Islands for 15 years to help build a Baha'i community there, while managing an ice cream business.
0: Returning from the Solomon Islands when his first wife Audrey became ill, Earl's acting work picked up again. For the interpreter in 2005, when Earl was already 87, he played the dictator president of an African state. Nicole Kidman, as the interpreter in the title, stumbles across a plot to assassinate him as he addressed the United Nations. It was the first time that a film had actually been shot in the UN General Assembly and the moment had strong resonance for him. One of the things
1: I I must say that I liked about that part was being at the United Nations building and you know, all the extras were representing all the different countries, you know? And looking out in the audience and seeing all the different nations there representing the countries and so on. And you know, I'm a Baha'i. And as a Baha'i, I I rather feel that the world needs unity. It needs the people to come together. And being up on that rostrum and thinking out there, All this, they were extras, but the whole world is represented. But that gave me a thrill. The world needs unity desperately, and I think the only hope for humanity at the moment is the United Nations.
2: Later television appearances for Earl included Neverwhere, Waking the Dead and EastEnders, and in 2006 he had a touching cameo in The Queen, painting Helen Mirren's portrait at the beginning of the film. Real royalty came calling when Earl was awarded a CBE in the 2009 New Year's Honours List, and of course there was a card on his 100th birthday and an honorary doctorate from the University of Warwick in 2013. He was also lauded in his homeland of Bermuda, where the main theatre in Hamilton was renamed the Earl Cameron Theatre in 2012.
0: To the end of his long life, Earl remained alert and charming, always showing great warmth and encouragement to those he encountered. And he was still talking about getting more acting work well past his 100th birthday.
1: Actors don't retire. They live in hope. They still hope that the phone will
0: ring. And when asked what advice he might give his younger self, Earl replied.
1: Just cool it, you know. Don't take life too seriously. But take it seriously enough to... Take good care of yourself. That's
2: the most important thing, I think. When he passed away, Earl Cameron's name trended on Twitter after an outpouring of affection. Patterson Joseph, who recently starred in the BBC's Noughts and Crosses, said that his generation's pioneering shoulders are what my generation of actors stand on. No shoulders were broader than this gentleman with the voice of God and the heart of a kindly prince
0: we couldn't have put it better ourselves.